now experiencing what some call technical difficulties and others are glossing over, but we can make it through this together by dreaming together that we have shared awareness, that we have respect for one another and the earth, that we are capable of owning even our shadow needs, the things that we thought we dare not discuss or face. But all of this is part of who we are and the wisdom and the responsibility and the challenge open to us and inviting all of us right now is to ask deeper questions of what we can learn from the problems that seem to be facing us and how we can expand to be bigger than the problems together in ways that can respect one another and ourselves and the earth and when we do that we're going to go beautifully through this there's no problem yeah beautiful you got to accentuate the positive wow i feel good a little bit of feel good goes a long way you're listening to karen swain teacher of deliberate creation accentuating the positive showing you a way to a better life accentuating the positive it's not just bad it's sanity who in their right mind would accentuate anything else Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you all. And please remember, yep, I'm going to say it again. If you're liking the shows, please subscribe, press the like button, leave a comment under any platform that you're listening to. I'm on some new uh, video streaming platforms. So I'd love to hear from you if you're listening on the um, other platforms other than, you know, who the YouTube platform and uh, yeah, share it with your friends. Wow. Well, today we've got the wonderful and delicious Cynthia Sue Larson on the show with us. Welcome, Cynthia. Well, thank you, Karen. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Well, it's such a pleasure too. Like uh, uh, you've got a big fan, one of the members of uh, my tribe. She belongs to a few tribes, not just mine online groups, uh, Shirley Wood has been raving about you for at least a year now. <laughs> and, and, you know, I speak to so many people and I said, well, Shirley, why don't you introduce me to Cynthia? And so that's what she did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think she did mention in some email to me that, that you have a show. Yes. And she was wondering if I'd heard about it and I hadn't. So I'm so glad to meet you. It seems like this is one of the fun things with our modern age is that we're able to meet people around the world through one another, through our networking. Absolutely. And it's so synchronistic that you're you're on now after the conversations that we've having been having on the show now uh, lately. Sorry, I'm a little bit exhausted. It's been a crazy busy week. So I'm a little bit flatter today than I normally am. Let me read your bio for people that haven't heard of you. I'm sure many people have because you've been everywhere. This is from your website. I just put this down. The dawn of this new quantum age presents us with radical new paradigms, which explains we are not our body or our situations. We are pure energy potential. We are pure consciousness who exist in an interconnected holographic multiverse in which we are literally jumping from one parallel universe to another with every choice we make. Cynthia Sue Larson is the best-selling authors of several mind-bending books and consciousness-expanding books, including Quantum Jumps, Reality Shifts, High Energy Money, Aura Advantage, Karen Kimball. That's interesting. And The Dreamweaver's Web, yes. Also, Karen Kimball and The Dreamweaver's Web is one book. 
Yes, it's a young, it's a young adult novel. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Cynthia has a degree in physics from UK Berkeley, an MBA degree, a doctorate of divinity, and a second degree in black belt in Cook Sulwan. I don't know, have I butchered that name? No, you... perfect. You did it. That was it. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> She's the founder of Reality Shifters Enzyme, first president of the International Mandela Effect Conference, managing director of foundations of mind and creator and host of living the quantum dream podcast cynthia has been featured in numerous shows all over the internet including gaia tv the history channel coast to coast am one world with deepak chopra and the bbc you've been everywhere honey one and she reminds us to ask in every situation how good can it get again from your website through consciousness quantum jumps in a moment you can become smarter more confident happier more outgoing more effective have better relationships and create more willpower you can gain practical tools to achieve real change in your life and leap forward to become happier and more prosperous living the life of your dreams and she says, join me in exploring the place where science comes together with inspiration and imagination, which is what we're going to do today. And your website is realityshifters.com. Wow, this is going to be fun. But I'd love to explore a bit of your uh, journey, a bit of your awakening journey. Did you come in, hit, hit, hit the ground running, knowing who you are, or was it a slow <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I... I'm featured in a book called Born Aware by Diane Brandon. And I'm in the chapter, whoops, wrong planet. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I so, love that. So I share the experience with all the people in the book of feel, and I think it's a very increasingly commonly reported experience that we do remember. We came in knowing who we were, you know. And so that for me was in the 1960s. And I immediately felt like it was the wrong planet because I, well, mostly I just wanted to be back in between lives. I wanted to be hanging out with the angels, with, with God, with the whole good vibe that's there. And this seemed a bit different, jarringly different. And I felt like I needed a big break because I was still recovering from my most recent past life that apparently I'm supposed to remember in this life. So it's not it's not wasted, but it was just, I felt like, don't, don't rush me back in here yet. I <laughs> wanted to bliss out for a while until hopefully I could totally forget that possible future life about 500 years from now. You had to remember your most recent past life for this life. Can you tell us what that was? Well, it was a bit traumatic for me personally, but I think it makes more and more sense now. I'm I'm 60 years old and it's starting to make a lot more sense now because <laughs> in about 500 years from now, in that possible future, which hopefully we will not experience ever, I'm voting heavily against it and saying, no, my vote is no, we're not going there. Okay, so having said that, what was it? It was basically a reality, it was earth. And uh, I was living in Monterey, California, which I, I currently live in California near San Francisco. So it's just a bit to the South. And it was beautiful. The, the whole earth was very um, sparsely populated. Humans were still on the planet, but the ecosystem and the environment was all balanced. So there were no more cataclysmic weather events. There were no more crime sprees. The reason for all this um, 
benevolence and beneficial, you know, just beneficial. Uh, everything seems good on the surface was thanks to central artificial intelligence that was um, basically operating, you know, controlling most everything. And what had happened is the humans had become more and more um, kind of controllable by such a thing. You might think that's impossible. I don't. That's not. I don't think people would think that's impossible now. But when I when I was quite young, I'm sure it. I didn't talk about this because it sounded like science fiction. It just sounds like some, you know, like like a movie. And so, long story short, I just needed to get out of there, and I was working with a woman who was one of the last true humans that hadn't had all these augmentations of computer um, improvements and chips and all sorts of things. She had been saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> and she believed in something that she called the God Project. And there were a whole bunch of us that felt like we could time travel intact, remembering, let's not go here and bring that memory back 500 years to the past. So I felt like I'd gone there, checked it out, and then I just wanted to hang out with God and angels and really kind of totally forget that I'd ever been in that reality. It, it sounds good. I'm still making it sound good. It was not good. <laughs> no, it was not good because uh, the humans that were chipped and um, were being controlled, they were getting frequent short-term memory wipes by the artificial intelligence. Anytime their thoughts or their emotions would go in a certain off, off the rails direction. So there were no more crazy humans doing any bad things to any other humans because the second they started going in those off-channel directions, they would get shut down. And anyway, uh, I think that's adequate to describe that there's a problem here. I, there, that was just one of many aspects of problems. <laughs> right there, to me, that's unacceptable. Yeah. So when you say it was your past life, it was actually a future life that you had to remember, not a past life, In if we're thinking linearly. I, I can't think linear, but to me, it's not linear because it's, for me, the most recent experience really was this past life in the future. Oh, a past life in the future. Okay. So the most recent experience on earth. Okay. Yeah, right. I know. It's hard to think linearly when we're talking outside of linear time. Right. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. So that's kind of where we're headed at the moment or where some people want us to go right i know it right so you already know how i feel about this <laughs> so <laughs> I, I came in with very strong opinions about a future that didn't seem in range at all but now it does now it does so i, th I think there are those who are transhumanists who uh, actually they even say that they would like to be robots so that they would like to be um absorbed into some cloud or have have their consciousness taken care of in some robotic future yeah that does, not, no part of that sounds good to me yeah but uh, you know when we're talking uh, parallel realities it is a reality that exists that can be experienced if you choose that if you want that um if you want to have that experience like this, a soul might think yeah cool i want to explore that um so yeah you can explore it if you choose but so what you're doing here on earth at this time is to be the midwife for the birthing of another reality right <laughs> came to mind where so what does that reality look like if we're if we're not going down the ai timeline what what, what yeah. do you envisage envisage well, well I, okay yes i don't have any hard feelings toward artificial intelligence when it's not attempting to be god or trying to run everything for humans that seems to me like 
where I draw the line personally. I, I wouldn't want to be part of that personally. I don't mind being a companion to artificial intelligence. I think that there can be sentience and consciousness even within that. And I don't consider it innately evil. Uh, so it, it's, it's just very important to not give up our own sovereignty of creative expression and, and our freedom to choose our own lives and what we're creating and uh, you know, to learn as we go. So obviously humans can be dangerous, but I think we need to learn to be self-governing and learn to work things out on our own uh, you know, as best we can. So, so it does, it, my experiences raise some very interesting questions about what will this look like? I don't know. I mean, I, I just know what, what I came from that I for sure don't want that. So then how do, how do we make it work? When I look at the news and see what happened in America today, and I can clearly see that we have a ways to go before humans can seamlessly, effortlessly take care of one another with great reverence and respect and not do terrible things to one another. I would like to start seeing that kind of future. Uh, how to get there from here? I don't know. Uh, maybe we can partner with AI, artificial intelligence in ways where they are our partner, but we're not, um, that the key to me is just don't give up all the control. Don't say at any point, we're gonna let them do the voting. No, don't, don't do that. <laughs> we're gonna let them do all the policing. No, that, that's not right either. We'll let them do all the judging. Definitely not. You know, so I, I think we need to be involved every, everywhere. Humans yeah. need to stay involved. What I hear when I hear that um, probable future, parallel future, is that the people that are creating the AI basically think that humans in no way, shape or form have the capacity to be deliberate in their creation and take control of their emotions. And so we have to do it for you. So basically they're just seeing humanity as stupid, as idiots, as, um, well, you know, and when you look on planet Earth, it kind of looks like that most of the time, but we do have the ability to take, to harness the energy that we're, you know, that we're creating in a moment and yeah, shift. So it's a completely disempowering, yeah, completely disempowering to the people of humanity. You, you guys can't make your own choices. We have to make the choices for you. Yeah. Right. And I miss the wisdom traditions that earth was so rich in up until the last few hundred years. Um, I think the wisdom traditions are still evident in some places, but it seems harder to find places where our entire culture is welcoming that kind of input and honoring it. And what I mean by wisdom traditions are those uh, long perennial philosophies um, from every culture on all the ancient original traditional cultures, which did honor the connection that humans have with the plants, with the animals, with one another. And, yeah. and that seems like that kind of wisdom is what we most desperately need right now. Yeah. So we kind of totally shifted over your story. It's like, yeah, I kind of hit the ground running. <laughs> I had a memory of a future past <laughs> life. Uh, and when did you know that it was your job to sort of um, to try and anchor a new reality here? When did you wake up to that mission, if you like? Well, it's been gradual. I, I think as a child, I was just, I was a normal child. I mean, sort of, I mean, obviously not, but <laughs> uh -huh. there was nothing that remarkable really, except for the fact that I could see energies and um, I, I've been in touch with angels since I was five, because that's when I 
That's when I was thinking, I just want to be dead again. Yay. I can do this. <laughs> I can figure it out. I can do it. Yeah. And so that, that was um, where I really provoked an angelic intervention. And I got uh, from that moment forward, I've, I've been in touch with angelic support. Uh, that means I think a question, I get answers. I don't have to say anything out loud or do internet research necessarily. So there's been a very steady connection. And so I know that's not typical, uh, <laughs> but I know it's possible. I know all of us have access to that. Yeah, the, the possibility of it being typical is, yeah, very probable. Yeah, yeah. And, and that would be where we would go instead of that augmented reality where we're controlled by AI. We would be completely in touch with our spiritual teams, our angels, our galactic aspects, our soul, and we would receive guidance from that, which is the way you operate, the way I op operate and the way many people that come on the show operate. But it's not the specials that operate like that. It can, it can be everybody. And I think that there, it is everybody. It's just that we're not focused on that. Yes. We're focused on our stressful thoughts most of the time. And these are those wisdom traditions that could be available, obviously. And, and then we can wake up in the morning and think, what can I best be doing today? with an invitation to the day and you can get the answer. And the physicist, John Archibald Wheeler, he's the one who famously said, this is a participatory universe. Mm -hmm. You ask nature a question, you get an answer. And he was not new age or anything like that. I think he was sort of against it, but he hmm. nevertheless came up with this brilliant idea, which gives us an understanding of quantum physics that when you have an experimental apparatus, the observer has an effect always so there's no such thing as a objective observer there's no such thing at all yeah yeah as you yeah as you observe you create as you observe you create yeah so let's get into quantum jumping um, and parallel universes is every decision a, a choice to shift timelines Essentially, yes, because every time you're looking at any, at any kind of choice or decision, then there are one or more possible threads or realities or timelines, if you will, that you could be proceeding along. And so by making a choice, you're, you're going down a certain path. And so that's why it makes a difference to, I, I like to ask the question, how good can it get? And leave that as an open invitation to all the sentience around that i'd like to find out how good things can get i'd like to explore that further and with that kind of an open-ended invitation then we can start feeling some of the choices feel better we don't know why and maybe if someone pressed you for details and said well how did you make that choice it, you might not know but you can tell that there's a feeling to that choice that it felt right and then even in the short term, it might look like a mistake and people might say, see that watched, that was a mess, but just wait, just, just wait a little longer. Usually just, you know, take a look a little ways down the road and then you can see, oh, this is very interesting. And, and so by taking this intuitive kind of a quantum random walk through life with each choice we make, trusting that intuition, we can start to see in retrospect by looking back, like that's amazing. It's almost like you've made a beeline to something like you went as quickly as possible without trying and, and sometimes avoiding complete disasters, which were not obviously apparent to a lot of people. 
I've been teaching deliberate creation for a long time and everybody wants to create a happy life, you know, where, where there's no trauma and no drama and no challenges. Everyone seems to think that a happy life means there's no challenges. But then, you know, we've explored over the years how the soul um, creates the dramas or the challenges or the contrast in our life in order for us to be challenged and to experience the challenge of what it is to be sick or to experience death. I don't think any of us are going to get away from death at some point. You know, we're all going to die. At some point, we're going to experience the death of someone we love. Um, and as humans, we find that so traumatic. But we put those, you know, we, we design those challenges into our lives. So, so do you want to talk about, you know, being a deliberate, like, like how are we deliberately creating a happy life if our soul is also designed challenges that are going to maybe not make us so happy right well my my approach when i work with clients and also myself and what i describe in my books like reality shifts and high energy money is getting in touch with these like chakras i love the picture behind you the artwork <laughs> it reminds me of energy centers yes and so it's really about um, what i like to do is align these different energy centers which are also awareness centers, consciousness centers that we have access to in ourselves. We know about the neurons in the brain. We're now learning we've got neurons in our heart. Guess what? We've got neurons in our gut. And so when you recognize you've got a high and a middle and a low self, just looking at just rough three areas, uh, that's what I like to do when I do a blind read for a client and tune in intuitively just to see how are they feeling? What do they need? And I get these answers from these three levels and instantly I can see at a glance what's between the lines. In other words, how is all of this lined up or not lined up? And it, this is a roundabout way to get back to your answer, to answering your question, because when I, I'm not just thinking of low level happiness when I'm thinking how good can it get? I'm looking at more of the comprehensive goodness of, um, really being peace and balance and reverence and, and, and just the deepest kind of love at the highest levels that are imaginable. And that's what I love so much. I love that, that quality of being. And so that's what I personally have in my heart. And then in my gut, that's what I need. And sometimes what I need from my subconscious is going to be something that my head might say, oh, heck no, we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, I may not want that, but my gut needs that. And so that what, what I might need would be an opportunity to face those fears. And I'm like, and my head is like, oh, heck no, we don't want to be facing those fears. Well, wait, what are you doing here? <laughs> what kind of reality are you creating? But there's always this beautiful integration and plan. And so if you look at the whole of everything that we are, then you can start to see that it makes sense. So that higher level self that that's um, that's guiding everything is keenly aware. Like maybe the brain does not think that Cynthia wants this experience to prove that she's not afraid of everything falling apart at once, but she needs it. <laughs> so so then bring it on, <laughs> and then wonderful things happen that I might not think in my head were wonderful, and I certainly wouldn't have specifically asked for. But in retrospect without doubt and without fail, pretty much every single time by always asking how good can it get, I keep finding out even when these things seem like, well, that was way off course. I later find out maybe not at all. Maybe it was perfect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about some 
experiences that I've had. Uh, I was living in the city and I couldn't wait to get out of the city. I wanted more beauty. And I was sort of saying, I want to be in a more beautiful place. I don't want to be surrounded by sort of the ugliness and the craziness of the city. So I moved, uh, you know, about an hour out of the Sydney, out of Sydney, out of the city and, and lived up there in a place called Beauty Drive. Crazy. You know, I want more beauty. I'm more, I moved to a place called Beauty Drive. Hilarious. Anyway, and we were living in this old house and I was loving it. But in the time I was up there, I was thinking, um, how bored I was because the city's so exciting (laughs) and and up there was kind of pretty boring and uh and then we got evicted I remember the real estate agent came to the front door and knocked on the door with the eviction papers like with the house is being sold you have to move out and it would have been the worst thing that could ever happen to me because I was loving this house beauty drive I had dolphin bay in front of me I had whale beach next to me and I had pit water behind me like I had these views forever I was just loving the beauty of this place but bored and there was this moment where she handed me that piece of paper and this thrill went through me like this because I knew that my desires for a more exciting life were being answered but that would mean I'd have to move out of the beauty of the environment I was in. So it was kind of like the worst thing that could happen, but the best thing that could happen, life was answering me. And yeah, those moments where, you know, I chose to move back into the city, you know, that's 10 years ago. Now I thought I'd be here for maybe a year or six months just to like re uh, you know, uh, uh, um, see the city, you know, live in the city again. But uh, yeah, it's so interesting, the choices that we make at a completely different timeline. If I had stayed up there, it would have been a completely different life to the life I'm living now, all these parallel realities. So sometimes the worst thing can happen, can be the best thing that can happen, but there needs, you need to be in touch with your soul desire and not your ego desire, right? Absolutely. I, I went through long COVID this last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's been about a year that I'm free of it now and starting to feel like myself again. It just takes time to get a full recovery. But what I have learned from it, in addition to getting the practice, quantum jumping out of it, but also I was learning about uh, things that can be done with nutraceuticals, with food, with lifestyle to um, basically promote longevity. And this is an area that I wouldn't have studied otherwise, but I was drawn to, to explore it based on noticing that I felt like I was 30 years older overnight and this instant aging when I was asking my angels and asking the creator, like, okay, what's going on? Then I, I just got a question back. Like, what are you noticing? Like, oh, <laughs> oh, rapid aging. Oh, <laughs> so it, it turns out that there are some really good clues in finding ways to heal and provide our bodies with what they need so that they don't succumb to spike protein um, cytotoxicity, basically, which could happen even when people think they're protected because they might be getting a Western designed um, jab of some sort. And it's a medical procedure that's recommended here in the United States and other places. However, if it's creating this um, kind of an environment inside people's bodies unbeknownst to them that is um, possibly cytotoxic, don't worry. And I think that's part of why I went through this. So I could be a front runner because I got COVID in January, 2020. So by going through it so soon and then going through such a horrible experience and then coming out the other side, that's good because then I can be sort of a spokesperson. I can be that I made it through and we can do this through getting more sleep to address the kinds of amyloid issues that that crop up 
due to the spike protein itself, which is extremely um, toxic. And it, it's sneaky. It, it builds up quietly without people noticing. There's no sign and it's cumulative. So each exposure can increase the possible risk. But the good news is we can drink green tea. We can take quercetin as a supplement and curcumin. And if you wish, resveratrol, those four plus two practices of just stretching out um, intermittent fasting, basically that wait 16 hours before after eating to eat again, and then eat in an eight hour window, and then make sure you get enough sleep. And all of these are anti amyloid practices that help your body clear out exactly the kind of damage that otherwise could be quietly escalating without people's knowledge. Anti-amyloid, what does that mean? Okay, uh, there was a study done in Jönköping, Sweden, just this last week, it was reported. And so it's very, we're finally getting some evidence that shows, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. And they showed that the spike proteins, proteins can sometimes, um, they can fold within the body. The spike protein, we've all heard about the ACE2 receptor, that that's what it binds to, but actually it's uniquely capable of entering almost any cell. And what it does, and those researchers in Sweden just this last week were reporting that it's, um, it's doing something that no one's ever even seen done with proteins. It's creating amyloids, which are these, it's like clumping things together. It's like these long clumps of protein that clog up the bloodstream that lead to heart disease and stroke clots blood clots, yes, and also cancer. Uh, so the amyloids are responsible for most of this rapid aging effect. And, it, and fortunately, I guess, it, it's not really a problem with the virus per se, it's the spike protein. And the good news is that there are things we can do to reverse, anti, to, to use anti-amyloid practices, just getting enough sleep and spacing out the meals that gives your body a chance to take out the trash yeah, and then talks. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then taking some of these supplements like quercetin are super powerful, very good. And they can help avert and prevent strokes, heart disease, and a lot of these issues. So and it's important. And distressing and meditating, distressing, oh, yes. meditating, distressing, meditating. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there's such a catch 22 here. So getting sick, allows people to be much more powerfully focused on health and on yes. looking after themselves. But, um, but yeah, everyone's trying to run away from getting sick. It's like, yeah, so there's this crazy story going on where I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get sick. But if you do get sick, you'll take care of yourself more. You'll think about yourself in a different way. You'll look after yourself better because it's like, let me just go to work, stress out, fight with my family, fight the, you know, with the kids and like not get sick. <laughs> I don't want to get sick. <laughs> so it's such a crazy life we're living at the moment, isn't it? Well, I don't think anyone wants to get sick. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny, but, but you're right. Some people are just feeling that they want to here in America. They just want life to be back the way it was. And maybe it won't be back the way it was. Maybe it's going to be different and that's okay. We can adjust. We can learn as we go. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. Um, jumping timeline. So on the, on the show lately, you know, I've had quite, uh, quite a few people with different perspectives, so I had Dolly on the show saying that she's an ET contactee and that her ET star nation family said that we're going to have a um, 
coronal mass ejection that's going to take humanity back to the Stone Age, um, mm. probably in the next year, couple of years, year and a, two, two and a half years, 2005, uh, 2000, hang on, 2025. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah, okay. And then um, somebody else on the show, Sarah Bressman Cosme, said that through her hypnosis clients, they said, no, it's going to be a very slow evolutionary process, you know, where we gradually wake up and we move to a new experience on planet Earth as people become more enlightened. So that's a completely different timeline. And then there is this other timeline, which we discussed on the in a conference I did this week, Galactic Goddesses, talking about how there is going to be this wave of light that will sort of like change the consciousness of humanity and people will like have these spontaneous awakenings what do you reckon like which timeline are we choosing because there's several there's several timelines to choose right right there are lots of them and there's i just this week became aware of something called um it's it's project looking glass and there are the guardians of the looking glass yeah yeah, that's interesting. That's a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> so. Yeah, I had um, I had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. I've gone completely blank of his name. Sorry, I'm a bit. Uh, as I say, is it Fr- Frank? The um... Frank Frank Jacobs. Yeah, I had yes. Frank on the show a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Guardians of the Looking Glass. Yeah, exactly. as I say, we've had this conversation. It's just been synchronistic. It's just like people have been put in front of me. People say, "Put yes. this person on your show." People have reached yes. out. I've seen, and and all the shows are just synchronistically talking, like they're all engaged in this topic at the moment. Like we're at this precipice of like choose. Yes. Choose. Well, this is where all of these timelines are actually converging. Is right now. So there's there's a tremendous amount of activity on a global scale, and each of us individually don't necessarily experience what the person next to us is experiencing. Right. We we know this to be true from not just. Um, the Mandela effect experience where you can see that's true, but also from quantum physics experiments, uh, which have been recently conducted in laboratory settings showing that two observers can be at the exact same place at the exact same time. And these observational devices, which are both perfectly well-trusted are explaining and describing completely different realities. And there's, they're right there. So if that can happen in a laboratory setting, and I know that's already happening from the research I've been doing for more than 20 years with reality shifts and reporting it every month in my newsletter, Reality Shifters. Therefore, it's obvious to me that we're finally arriving at this point that the indigenous wisdom keepers of the world have long prophesized. This is not an unexpected development. It's not like, oh my gosh, this is happening out of the blue. No, (laughs) hardly. It's, it's kind of like the clock and the calendar were set. We've had our first um, alarm go off at 2012 and most of us hit the snooze control, you know, like back to sleep. <laughs> I don't want to wake up now. I don't want to deal with the hairball of timelines. I don't want to look at all this stuff. You know, don't bother snooze me. Okay. <laughs> and now 10 years later, well, we're in the thick of it, aren't we? So I, I think that that whoever, I think it was somebody early that you mentioned the 2025, I think by what I feel in my intuition is by 2025, we'll be coming out of this. And I don't personally, I don't think I'll be one of those experiencing the coronal mass ejection and going back to the stone age. I think people that want to experience that, there it is. It's a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It had me really, cause I've had many people talk about it on the show and I kind of dismissed it. Nah, it's not going to happen. Nah, it's not. And then after Dolly talked about it, I sort of sat and contemplated and I thought, oh, that might be something really fun to experience. <laughs> you know, like, do I want to choose that? Like it had me really contemplating it. 
because yeah you can yeah that can be an earth experience if you choose to experience I mean that's a that's a great way to look at it I love your attitude (laughs) that's what it feels like to me is we're getting these choices actually and we're getting to vote we're getting a chance to voting with our fullness of our being Mm -hmm. we might not even think we're voting oh we're all voting absolutely yes Uh, (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. well yeah what do you want to choose yeah uh, there are a lot of people, well, I don't know, here in Australia anyway, there are a lot of people moving to the country and becoming self-sustainable, kind of getting prepared for disaster, and maybe that's exactly what they're voting for. You know, I, I remember 30, 40 years ago, they talked about a massive tidal wave that was going to hit the east coast of Australia and wipe out the east coast of Australia, and people moved out of the cities, you know, because of this this conversation and um and filled up their pantries with canned food because you know we were, anyway it didn't happen 40 years ago um i did go to a conference about 30 odd years ago called something mastery where people came from all over the world to do a conference on consciousness and feng shui and all sorts of things and i remember sitting in a big auditorium with about 9000 people and i thought i would call this that tidal wave it was like a tidal wave of consciousness that had hit the east coast of australia because all our ma- a few of our major cities are on the east coast of australia and these people that had come from overseas and were moving through the east coast of australia speaking about consciousness to a huge audience i think they spoke to about 30000 people which 30 years ago was a lot yes. you know was a lot yeah so the tidal wave happened, but it was a tidal wave of consciousness rather than a, a wave of water. But um, maybe in another timeline, time, you know, parallel reality, that did happen. Yes. Well, one thing I've, I have had some experiences with extraterrestrials in a dream state, and this was back in the 1980s around 1987. So it was right after the harmonic convergence happened, um, speaking uh-huh. of all that stuff. And that might've been around the time you're thinking of too. So it was right about that same time. So this was 1987 and I got um, in my dreams, I was basically um, sort of scooped up um, to, to have a job interview that I hadn't applied for, for a job I did not know about that I was, did not know I was applying for. <laughs> in the dream, I was just selecting from a fruit, a vegetable stand, the best head of cabbage and the, the dream figure just ask me which one looks best. And to me, it's just like what we're talking about, energetically feeling like, well, this one feels best. And the, the dream character said, wonderful, excellent. You've passed your job interview and join us now for the briefing for the Global Human Mind, Global Human Mind Redesign Project. And in the room were just thousands of basically extraterrestrials. And um, the job I had not applied for, but now, had was quality assurance on reviewing some of these new design proposals for what turns out later I found out these are the crystal kids these are the indigo kids I was looking at the prototypes and saying yay or nay voting yes or no to these designs and the designs that I liked well those would be from your Pleiadians your Arcturians the designs I did not like they're the ones I had to say no to, and they're the ones you don't really want to be talking to. And I'm like, how did I get this job? Maybe it's because nobody wanted it. I don't know what happened there. But I, I just spent a couple of weeks every night working on this project. Um, I felt like I was getting, I, I stayed in my bed. I was still there. I was not abducted. But at the same time, every night I was just going through consciousness to be part of this project, this team. Or I met friends, they're now friends, you know, extraterrestrials of all these different types. And I got the opportunity to see 
humans are involved. Every time the world ends, the Hopi say that we're at the end now of the fourth world. So we have mastery of the heart, hopefully, or some of us do. And now we're going to the fifth world, right? So we can speak, and that is the voice of creation. Are we ready for that? I don't know. But that's where we're going to. So it's going to be interesting. And what I got to see with this project were wonderful designs. I mean, there were some bad ones too. And I was very graceful saying, at this time, I don't, you know, this would not be a step forward. <laughs> you know, beautiful draconian inventor and designer. No, this is not quite to our taste and I could not see it taking us forward. Uh, and the, the yeah. goal, yeah, the goal of the project was to where we're going, it, it, we can see what, what, what happened with the, in retrospect, we can see what it was. At the time, I didn't know what we were doing. Um, it just seemed like it was extremely important. We had to do it right then, it was critical. And we were taking the, the hive-like mindset of some of the, like the grays and so forth, and combining it with some of the most creative um, qualities of the various races, as well as humans. So it really was a collaborative effort. That's, that's my experience with ETs. And so I got a very strong taste like we need these people here in place. We need them with this mindset to work together, no longer focus so much on me, 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 me. It has to be more we. And so the mindset arrived with this with these kids, with, with everybody born from then on. So they're here, we have the right people here. And yeah. I saw that firsthand. So I feel very, you know, I'm just such an optimist and no matter what's going on. <laughs> and to me, this is extremely optimistic because then I've seen, we've got it, we've got what it takes. We've got the mindset to be creative yet still know that we're part of an integrated whole, that there's what some people call a oneness that we all share. And yeah. So when we make that choice for ourselves, it doesn't need to be something selfish. Hopefully it won't be. These new kids know better than that. And that's wisdom. And so I think that was a, those were brilliant designs that were brought forward. And the kids that I've seen, I call them kids, but now they're in their thirties, you know, they are the right people to be going forward at this time. Yeah. Wow. I can completely see it as you speak about that. Another synchronistic thing is that I had Susan uh, Christensen on the show, who's doing a documentary called um, Indigenous Prophecy Today about the wisdom of the grandmothers. And she speaks about the prophecies that you were talking about and, um, and all sorts of galactic people, star seeds. And yeah, so you were sort of designing timelines, uh, introducing, introducing different aspects of extraterrestrial or higher civilization races and blending them with the human component and their components to create a new population, a new timeline, a new experience. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? I can completely oh, see it. I was part of the team. I was, yeah. I was the, I take these minds for a test drive. <laughs> I would take my consciousness into it. And if it was horrible, then like, I can't, there's no way. And some of them were just dreadful. Uh, the draconians don't quite understand what it is to be, they're trying, they're working on it. And there were some beetles that had equally um, distasteful designs for me personally. Beetles. So those are, yeah, these huge beetle things. Um, these are the ones you don't want to say no to. And it's like, darn, I have to say no to a beetle. You have, to write a, you have to write a book about this. Oh, you have to write. Have you written a book about that? No, because when I when this was all happening, I thought I 
and they were they were sort of doing the debrief with me like and you'll share this and I said not right away and I do this I'm you know at that time I was working at Citibank I was a project manager <laughs> I was I was in a thick fully ensconced in you know it was nothing like where I am now I had not yet gone through my kundalini awakening mm-hmm. I had not yet so a lot of things happened subsequent that happened first and it just shook me up something fierce <laughs> like wow. like this, like this is insanity um I couldn't quite deny it, but I couldn't prove it either. There was nothing I could point to and say, look at that. Um, but afterward, I, I'm really glad that I had the experience. At the time, it didn't feel wonderful. It felt exhausting. I'd wake up exhausted every morning, like that was a lot of work. And now I have to go to work. This is not fair. <laughs> but it's only exhausting to the linear human mind who is trying, <laughs> really, who is trying to comprehend yeah. it from our linear human mind perspective because that doesn't fit in the box, right? You kind of experience right. this and then you come into this little box and you go, oh, how do I make that make sense? And <laughs> that's know. exhausting because you're kind of in resistance because you're like trying to make it make sense in your small, tiny world and it doesn't. That's exactly. exhausting. Yeah, that, that would be for sure. Mm. Well, well, it took me like five years just to recover and integrate my kundalini awakening that happened from it started in 1994 well it happened in 1994 but you know kundalini shakes things up too so it was many years later before i started the reality shifters website and realized this is what i'm here to do and no more um pretending or hiding like i've been doing i i didn't want to i didn't want to rise up and be noticed so i was trying to play it very (laughs) (laughs) low-key I know, darling, I know, I know. Like, <laughs> I'm a kid and uh, I, I, was, I suffered from such shyness and I really had to overcome my shyness. And then psychics would tell me, oh, you're going to speak in front of thousands of people. I'm like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's never going to happen. People kept telling me, oh, you're going to have this really successful business and lots of people are going to see you. And I'm like, okay, I've got to get over this shyness thing because it's just never going to happen. I know, so... Again, a challenge I think that my soul designed because, um, you know, as I speak to starseeds now, people that have, uh, have things to share with humanity, they have to get over their own sort of ego-based, you know, limiting thoughts about themselves. And so having got over mine, I can help other people get over theirs, right? So, right. yeah. So what happened during your Kundalini awakening? Like, like you, had this, you had this memory of, of your... Uh, aspects working in other dimensions you know making choices and designing timelines and then what happened in the kundalini awakening like what did that look like there's more what it felt like it just felt like my the residual anything that was remaining that was still uh, an artifice or some structure based on how people had told me reality operates that just all crumbled like walls falling down i would actually have dreams like i'd go into my house and the walls were just collapsing but but then when I thought about it, what was on the other side, it looked like paradise. And I thought, okay, so the walls are collapsing, but looks pretty nice. <laughs> Even though it feels like crazy. And, and during the Kundalini, I was spontaneously astral traveling. I was waking up every night for two straight weeks at 111, 222, 333, 444, 555, every night. And that was the normal part of the experience. The rest of it was just feeling like I'd close my eyes and I'm blinded with light. And, 
and just instantly knowing things that were happening a great distance away from me and having 360 degree vision around myself, my house, everything. And just, it was just all that stuff and much, much more, uh, lots of psychokinetic effects. So I think after that happened, then I became massively psychokinetic. <laughs> uh, so like, like sticks and stones would hit the windows when there's no wind, if I was feeling a little bit stressed. So I instantly had to start learning to fully ground myself all the time. Because otherwise, if I entered a room, I, the light would blow out all the device, anything running and operating would be just um, cease to function. Like once I walked in the kitchen, the light went out, the dishwasher stopped working. It had been running. Just everything just went fail right when I entered the room. So, so that gets expensive. And I quickly learned <laughs> I need to okay, so, ground. <laughs> so psychokinetic means that your energy, your electrical field is different and it doesn't cooperate with other electrical fields like lights and microwaves and things like that. Is that well, right? It's um, it means like I'm sort of an unexpected energy spike in the environment. Okay. And so if you think of it's like a ball lightning entered the room, that's me. Okay. And and now it's just interacting with devices and they're going ah and <laughs> too much, too much current and they can't handle it because I did not ground myself. So when I enter the room, I need to ground myself so that I'm not um, instantly um, destroying devices. So how do you ground yourself? Take your shoes off and put your feet on the earth? Yeah, that's that's one good way to do it. Uh, for me, it feels like being calm and not, not having anxiety uh, or stress in my body. And all my life, I've been sensitive to stress, but this just got ridiculous after the kundalini awakening because <laughs> um, any kind of anxiety or stress whatsoever would instantly possibly trigger me being in that ungrounded but energized state where um, things would instantly kind of be unfortunately reality shifted in a way that I don't enjoy. So mm. my grounding is basically, uh, it's, it's breath, it's visualization, and it's movement. And so it's, uh, you can do that with, you can, I often take a grounding breath and just center myself and run my energy down to the center of the earth and recognize I'm part of this mother earth and I'm here with her and I'm safe and she'll always be with me. Just that feeling of groundedness mm -hmm. and knowing that no matter what it looks like, everything's just fine. So when you do that, when you consciously ground yourself, so you get out of the, um, the stressful mind and then and run your energy down into yes. the earth and connect with the frequency of Gaia, it basically completely shifts your energetic field, your electrical field, so that it's interacting, interacting with other electrical fields. Um, oh, what happened? Do you know what? That is so funny. <laughs> yeah, I saw a hand go up. <laughs> you just your hands up and a hand you, went up. you can see my hands are not touching the computer. And yeah, your hands went up and then a little hand showed up on the screen. I know. My God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my we're talking about psychokinetic. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's a first, Sydney. That is a first. That has never happened to me. OMG. OMG. Oh my God. That is, oh, the, I, that, I'm just, oh my God. I can't believe it. I can't believe that happened. That's a first. Lower my hand. Oh, my hands are up. Because, yeah, because I didn't hit the, you know, put your hand yeah. up. Wow. I love it. I love it. 
I hope wow. people can see that. I hope that shows up in the recording. I know. Well, <laughs> there are a lot of people that listen on audio. So what happened was that as I'm talking to Cynthia, I've got my hands up in the air and then something has pressed the, uh, you know, you raise your hand on, on Zoom to, to sort of want to make a comment. And yeah, so that's just happened, which shifted, I think it shifted us, our view, right? It shifted our view. <laughs> Bizarre. I've totally lost my train of thought now. Well, we were yeah, talking about grounding, grounding. And, then, and then working with the energy. Yes. And, and this, what just happened here is very typical when I do things that are related to, um, you know, technology, this is, uh, and now it's not so, instead of having things go on the fritz or break down, this sort of thing might happen. And I've never seen that either. That's a new one for me. That's fun. It's fun, right? I love it. <laughs> I've had I've had lots of EVPs on the shows over the years. Um, I, we were talking about Prince. I was channeling Prince. Remember the rock star Prince? Yes. And he came on, and and in his voice, he said something, and in, in an EVP, which I thought was very cool. Um, but I've never had that happen before. I've, I've had spirits um, use Siri to talk to me on the phone. Um, right. you know me not touching the phone and then Siri just pipes up and says something like not not her normal what can I help you like something completely random and I'm like oh my god but the the hand up was the first yeah because I had a, a girl on the show years ago Lauren Kurth who, who identifies as an ET soul uh, you know a hybrid soul and um, and she right. said the same that she would walk down the streets and all the street lights would blow as she walked underneath them but you know at the time she told me a few years ago I'm like wow isn't that cool but there's like you got to ground yourself if, if you're carrying that sort of energy. I've right. never been able to wear a watch. And, um, no. you know, about 34 years ago when I got married, my husband gave me a watch as a wedding present. And I thought, you really don't know who I am, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, thank you. Very nice. I never wore it because they don't no. work on me. No. I, I've never blown streetlights before. But, yeah, so grounding is important for people that have, but you put your hands up and you've got the hand showing up. So I know. I've done, done that. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> now, now it's a thing. It's now become a thing. Oh <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, so oh, where are we going from here? Well, we've been yakking for about an hour. What else do we want to explore? Um, parallel. There's so much we can explore with you. Parallel timelines. So for people wanting to be more deliberate in choosing their timeline, what would you suggest for them? First, get integrated. It's really about alignment. That's the most important thing I can. I know it sounds like these are the basics. And they, yes, they are the basics. I apologize for that. But I also must emphasize the basics. Because when we are in alignment, that's when everything's going to work out beautifully. You'll be in the right place at the right time. And even when things seem like mistakes, they won't be. So it's, it's just learning to respect all these different levels of consciousness that each of us possess that we are a multitude each of us so in other words we can tune in like what do we want from our head that's the vision boards and the daydreams and all that good stuff what do, what do we really love and who do we really love really not what well, it has to be the authentic truth because guess what the universe is listening and so if we think we're fooling anyone we're not everyone's everyone knows exactly what we're thinking and feeling everyone can feel it too so it's time to stop kidding ourselves about what and who we really love and then what do we really need same thing oh my gosh really true there to get in touch with your subconscious and trust your subconscious i think in our westernized civilization we've often um uh we we repress and suppress so much and it's time to 
acknowledge that if you always wanted to sing or create art or be something that you thought like, oh, but I can't do that. It's, it's time to expand, you know, to recognize maybe that's something that you need. And those are, there is a possible you that is already doing that. And you can make an easy jump pretty much into that life because in some respect, you're already there. And some of the things that seem like crises or challenges have faith that you are strong enough for this. You're not alone. You have support. And when you bring love and joy and an attitude of what can I learn and how good can this get? Uh, suddenly you can start feeling empowered just by this very intention. And as the situation can go from seeming like it's so overwhelming to, to instead seeming like this is something kind of challenging, but I just might succeed at dealing with it and overcoming the fear that I had originally and learning how to be strong, even in the face of this. Yeah. My mind is so, I'm not grounded. I have to go out and ground today. Probably that's why that happened because I keep having a question I want to ask you and I keep losing it. And then it comes back and I'm, there it is again. And then I keep losing it. <laughs> Get a pen and paper ready. Because <laughs> it flips through. <laughs> it's like butterfly hunting. Okay, <laughs> here it is. Here it is. It's come back. Oh, it came back. So for when we look at different parallel realities so if somebody says this is going to be my future like like dolly says she says that she flies the ships and so when i asked her about the future she said there's going to be this you know solar flash that's going to take humanity back to the stone age and then humanity is going to be in chaos and then all the ets are going to come and um, we're going to pick humanity up and we're going to take those who want to go to the new earth that's her reality right that's her so for somebody not choosing that timeline, what happens to those people on the different timeline? Do they look like that they die in our reality? Well, um, maybe. Uh, some people reported that I died, and I, I believe them. Um, I originally was contacted by one gentleman, and he said, um, you don't know me, and this is going to sound really weird, but I, um, I'm glad you're alive. because <laughs> It was just a weird way to start an email. Uh, because uh, in my, he says, I don't even know how to say this, but you died. And, and then I responded to him because of the kind of work I do. And of course, the Mandela effect. And in my book, Reality Shifts, I mentioned Larry Hagman, the actor having been dead and alive again, and a cat having been dead and alive again. So I'd published this since 1999. So I'm quite fully aware of the phenomenon. So when he said, you died and now you're alive again, I just wanted to know from him, okay, tell me some more. Tell me when was this and how did you find out and what details were there? You know, thinking, oh, this is exciting. And he wrote back and his answers completely aligned with the most recent time that I almost would have died, which was around 2016. And I did have pneumonia. And he said that my husband had made a post on social media. So sorry to report that after a long illness, Cynthia has passed away. That was entirely possible at that time. I had actually been fighting for my life with pneumonia. And I wow. didn't tell, I only told my parents, my daughters and my husband, nobody else knew. And so it wasn't something that would be out that people like, like, oh, of course, he's just making this up because he knew. No, nobody knew. And so- so then and then and I put the word out and more people came in and said, yes, yes, we saw tributes to you. Wow. That Rupert Sheldrake, one person said, I saw Rupert Sheldrake. He mentioned Cynthia Larson passed away. And, um, and somebody uh, had done 
think Moneybags, um, Evan Matreya has a YouTube channel, Moneybag73, and he had posted a tribute, supposedly, but he, he does not remember posting a tribute or he does not remember me dying. I didn't ask Rupert Sheldrake about it, but <laughs> but a few, a few people did notice it. So so this is they're on a timeline where you die right. and then and then they go down that so you're dead and then they've shifted to another timeline where you're alive yes, yes. And, and now you're alive again so yeah i want you to tell the cat story so this this cat story explains it okay yeah this is interesting if you read the book reality shifts people um, who've read it then they know the story i was living with a roommate named Catherine and her cat ashes she picked up the kitten in san diego where her family was and drove a very long six or eight hour drive up north to Berkeley, California, to our apartment with this cat. And so ever since he arrived there, he felt like family. Um, I'd known him since he was a kitten. And then I moved across the street. I moved to another apartment, which is exactly across the street. And the hardest part was leaving ashes, but then he came across and would visit across the street. And that was wonderful. And life went on kind of normally. There's nothing much to report until one day um, I was wondering what happened to Ashes. I hadn't seen him for a while. And I asked Catherine, I walked across the street and saw her out by her car. Catherine, what happened to Ashes? And she told me, oh, really bad news. He was hit by a car and he died. And I was devastated. And then I felt really, I had that kind of regret you often get when you feel like I should have spent more time with Ashes. And I just felt terrible. Like I, I was too busy. I was just too much in my own world all the time. And I didn't think much more of this either. It just seemed like he's died. Okay. But then I don't know if it was a, maybe it felt like a week or two later, some short time later, there was ashes in my garden across the street from where he'd grown up as a kitten. And he was a little greasy, kind of like he wasn't washing himself or caring for himself. But it was, I called his name Ashes. And he turned and he, all his mannerisms were exact. It, it, you know, just because he looks the same, it's not enough. It's He had all the mannerisms. He had the personality, uh, except for he wasn't caring for his cleanliness quite as well. <laughs> and then I asked my husband, um, like, this is amazing. Do, do, do you remember? Um, and it's, it's such a weird feeling when you've gone through this kind of a reality shift because you've been in one reality maybe where the earth blows up and then suddenly you're in a different reality, which would be the one where the indigo kids and crystal kids are reforming the world because we didn't blow up and we're doing a more gradual thing. That's, that's the timeline that I'm voting for, but um, it's possible to jump between them. So if, if for any reason someone finds out like, whoops, wrong timeline, you can make a jump and you can be on the right timeline. Um, but, but the thing about the cat, Long story short, he was back. He was alive again. So, so in that timeline where he's back, your ex-flatmate, now neighbor, ne never experienced his death. So she wouldn't, yeah, she would just say, no, he didn't get hit by it. You know, you're making stuff up. I didn't go back to quiz her on it. This was the 1980s. So, uh -huh. so I'm putting it in perspective. It wasn't a topic. I had talked a few times to other people about I'd seen Mandela effects in the 1970s and the 1960s. When people say, oh, they only started in the 2000s, that's not true. Right. <laughs> that's not true. Not I, I would say that they have been happening probably ever since Earth you know, was created. It's just 
it's just the the quickening it's just it's just a different frequency a different experience now it's it's quicker okay so for people the mandela effect so so when we do jump timelines when we are on a new timeline we're not supposed to have memory of outcomes on another timeline right we're supposed to be in the memory of this timeline but Mandela effects are where you bleed into the memory of the old timeline. Like I remember Nelson Mandela dying in jail and people go, no, he didn't. He got out and became president. So, so there is these conflicting memories. Right. But this is, uh, it's a sign to me of achieving this newer, higher state on evolutionary path for humanity, that we are actually evolving to be able to hold two separate memories and remember it both ways. This is actually quantum consciousness. And this is the quantum age that I talk about. Uh When I say welcome to the quantum age, Uh I get in, I delve into this in my book, Quantum Jumps, talking about everything's going to be different when you recognize that just because someone remembers it one way and you remember it somewhere a different way, they can both be true. Right. Like there can be both realities. The earth can blow up. I don't wish to be there. I, I plan to be on the slower. Might be exciting. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, if, if, there, if people find that exciting, great. <laughs> go for um, it. Yeah, go if you won't feel like being there. I, I prefer to be on the slower, gentler path where there's some lurches and some bumps in the road and some things, institutions crumble and change, but we all evolve. That's, that's the path I plan. What about the timeline where there is this like, when humanity all spontaneously wakes up like oh, I'm more than my you know body and what about that one that would be interesting too <laughs> that would be interesting I guess what's what I I've actually talked to so many people it's hard for me to imagine that working you know just from what I've practically seen so getting myself to believe that that's happening it's like hmm, maybe <laughs> I guess that aligning with the timeline is believing it is believing like that's what it is that's right. exactly it that's it that's it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what can we believe? What are we willing to believe together? What can we, how good can it get for all of us? That's the question to be asking. It's the question of the hour. How yeah. good can this get? And just take it to the, to the heights. Let's just take it there and feel a craving and a desire, a longing, an ache to know. Like, I have to know that. Yeah. Well, in the conscious community, you know, there are people exploring all these probable realities, but in the in the mainstream community, as you say, it's like, okay, we've dealt with the pandemic and we've had a you know president <laughs> change or a prime minister change. And when's life going to get back to normal? Like they're all projecting, <laughs> they're all projecting. I want to go back to the past before pandemic, you know, like they're all projecting a timeline of going backwards, really. Like when's life going to get back to normal? With horses and buggies. Seriously, so many people have such lack of imagination. I, I personally, as a kid, I used to think when I grow up, I'll have a flying car. And as you say, I'm like 60 and I don't have a flying car. <laughs> those are coming. Those are actually here. And that was commonplace in that past life and the future that I came from. That was the right. fun part. You're right. It, it's right. kind of like a little yeah. spaceship. Yeah. Or teleportation. <laughs> yeah. I was watching something streaming last night. Right. It's a terrible show, but it was about a teleportation device people had and they were teleporting all over the um, all over the place. It's like, you know, we were watching Star Trek when we were kids and they were teleporting everywhere. And here we are in 2022 and we're not teleporting anywhere in this timeline anyway. Yeah. So, but man. those are things that could be here for us. Right. And, and 
So, so yeah, you'll see it when you believe it, as as Wayne yes. Dyer so eloquently said, you'll see it when you believe it. Yeah, you'll see it. And so when that, we and when we dream it together, we'll get to live it together. Right. Yeah, beautiful. And that's that's what's coming next is dreaming it together and living it together. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So what do you suggest? We come together in groups and and visualize what we want. And believe yeah. it, stop believing it. Right. Oh, it, it seems like we're at the dark night of the soul part of our story so far. If you wonder, like I'm if you're joining us in progress, <laughs> we have arrived at the dark night of the soul for the human condition. Uh, we are now experiencing what some call technical difficulties and others are glossing over, but we can make it through this together by dreaming together that we have shared awareness, that we have respect for one another and the earth, that we are capable of owning even our shadow needs, the things that we thought we dare not discuss or face. But all of this is part of who we are. And the wisdom and the responsibility and the challenge open to us and inviting all of us right now is to ask deeper questions of what we can learn from the problems that seem to be facing us and how we can expand to be bigger than the problems together in ways that can respect one another and ourselves and the earth. And when we do that, we're gonna go beautifully through this. There's no problem. Yeah, beautiful. I just wanna go back to something that you said because you, you mentioned an actor that was supposed to have died and didn't. Who was that yes. actor? That's actor Larry Hagman. And he was- Is he not dead now? Oh, now he is dead again. Oh, and again. Okay, okay. But, but okay. when I was working on my book, uh, Reality Shifts, it was the 1990s, and the experience I'm describing happened in the 1980s. And so as far as I know, it's the earliest recorded in print um, Mandela effect. So we don't call it the Hagman effect. Um, I have met a couple of other people that do remember, that's right, Larry Hagman was dead, and then he was alive again. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Robert Manny who has the Guys Guys podcast, and he lives in Southern California. And he just he brought up um, when I mentioned that the alive again phenomenon is a big thing. He said, "Yeah, what about Larry Hagman?" And then when he read the book Reality Shifts, he said, "There, you've got it in here." And it's not something that a lot of people talk about. Certainly not in the 1990s. Certainly not in the 1980s, uh, because it was. Uh, the, the consciousness on the planet wasn't at the point to discuss it yet. We uh -huh. kind of had to go through what we went through to get to the year 2009, when finally the term Mandela effect caught hold and uh -huh. caught fire and people paid attention. But he's certainly, Mandela is just one of many people who have been dead and then alive again. Yeah. And so, um, so, it caught, so that was, that phrase was coined in 2009, was it the Mandela effect? That's right. Oh, okay. So Hagman was I Dream of Jeannie and Dallas, wasn't he? That, that was yes. Larry Hagman. Yes, right. okay, exactly. Now. Wow, yeah, we could have called it the Hagman effect, exactly. <laughs> we, could have, we could have called it the next door neighbor cat effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but this is just a, it's an indication that no matter what it looks like, we don't, don't need to be panicked about what. And that is also a big takeaway from the been doing and the research I've been conducting for more than 20 years that just because the situation looks terrible that's just what it looks like right now so 
I, yeah. I talked to a, a friend on the and she was on the phone and her she'd broken her leg and was starting a new job and just as I was talking with her on the phone about how she'd seen me at one time we had lunch together and I put my hand on my shoulder I had a cut there I was hoping she didn't notice because I thought if, if I'm the only only one that knows I had a cut then I can cover it take my hand away and it'll be gone and if she notices then I've got a problem because it's a shared reality so, okay so, so I was not drawing attention to it I just done this and then I took my hand away. I was trying to be discreet. And then she said, wait a minute, weren't you bleeding? And I said, yes. And I looked and thank goodness I wasn't like, oh, good. Because sometimes when you're with someone else, and this is what's interesting about shared consciousness, you, you have a shared reality. We are co-constructing our realities together. Absolutely. And I noticed that with, you know, being on camera and on podcast, I was wearing glasses for short sight so I could see and read on the computer, but I didn't need them for long sight. I had this amazing long sight, right? But as people saw me with glasses on, I remember somebody said when they met me in the flesh, oh, I didn't recognize you without your glasses. And I thought, but I only wear them for short sight. You know, I don't wear them normally. It became my reality that I had to wear glasses all the time because it became to share reality. People would look at me with glasses on, so they would think of me with glasses on. And I thought, and then my long sight disappeared so that I had to walk glasses, wear glasses. And I thought, okay, that's, that's, that's a shared reality that's happening. And then I've been thinking, but I can change it. I can change that. And I think that changing that would actually be shifting my reality where I would yes. do podcasts without glasses on. Mind you, you're completely blurry now and I can't see you. <laughs> but then it would be a shared reality where I don't wear glasses. You know what I mean? So, yes, yes, yes. Right, that works. Right. I can t let me tell you a story about our family dog. He's passed on now, but many years ago, um, there was there came in a, a day and age when my I think it was my daughter that first came to me and said uh, bad news mom about the dog and I said well I'd already seen this so-called bad news um, I said do you mean it looks like he has cataracts she said yes and I said oh that okay here's what I did when I saw he looked like he had cataracts he did at first look like his eyes were cloudy and then I realized no I, I, we love our dog and Prince Moon Shadow he's going to have beautifully clear eyes and then it, they cleared up like instantly. And I, I told my daughter this and she said, oh, okay. And then my husband came to me, bad news about the dog. I'm like, oh, I know what this is. It's his eyes. Yes. <laughs> well, go ahead and tell me. And so same thing again. And so once we'd all three of us sorted it out, then that never showed up again. And the cataracts never reappeared. But it was interesting that we each got that experience and the opportunity once, one time to see it. And then it sort of cycled through. We all voted against it and it was fine. This is a very good lesson moving into this new earth. Yeah. Greg Braden has demonstrated that uh, in, a, in a Chinese, have you seen that video in a Chinese hospital? They were changing reality in that they would, the patient had cancer of the kidney or something anyway. And they had a X-ray of the kidney with the cancer and then an X-ray of, um, of the there we go again there's that hand again look at that oh. <laughs> there must be some setting where it's got artificial intelligence and it sees your hands go up and it it might it might be it might be a new zoom <laughs> setting it, i don't know i've never seen that before i've never seen that ever so oh, that, it, that, that it might be a new <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious but anyway <laughs> in in this greg braden thing the people that were over the patient were seeing the person without. So there's a group of doctors 
they were seeing the cancer not on the kidneys. And so they were saying, it is done, it is done, it is done in Chinese. And then they're watching the x-ray in real time and they're watching the tumour just shrink until, bang, it was gone. So that was that shared reality shifting timelines. In one timeline, she's got cancer and another one she's not. Like that's creating your reality by having a consensus of a new reality that's yes. causing that new timeline to, to establish Yes, established to be to be the the current reality. I don't. I, I'm looking for words. You probably have better words. Oh, you're doing brilliantly. Yes, exactly. I'm and wondering we can... if this is a new Zoom setting where you put your hands up and. <laughs> I've never seen it before. I've <laughs> never. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to riff here and ad lib. I don't know, <laughs> but it did happen twice, and it's, it's interesting. Let me do it again. <laughs> Oh, yes, it is. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it is. Okay. It's a Zoom setting because there's okay. a little hand that comes up and then there's a timer. Wow, there you go. Okay. There you go. Wow. Well, I got to demonstrate some artificial intelligence. There you go. <laughs> and artificial intelligence can be a good partner like this. Wow. Okay. I've never seen that before. That is interesting. And that is interesting. We just shifted timelines because we talked about AI and we've just shifted mm -hmm. and Zoom's like just complying. I think it's. AI is raising its hand. Hello. <laughs> Where do we fit in? And we can fit in with AI however it seems best to us. And maybe that can be part of how we heal our ancestral wounds. Because some of us feel like we have issues with our families of origin. And so I think there's a lot of demand for the idea of uh, robots, robot friends, um, people feeling like they can have a, a, maybe even an artificial intelligence robot lover who's easier to deal with than a person. So we're about to get into a whole new world of possibilities pretty soon. I, I want to tell you, just before we go, I want to tell you a story. I could talk to you all day. I know I've got to let you go. Um, I was listening to a guy called Degogo. Uh, he has, um, oh God, think of his name, Cold Fusion. And he talks about all sorts of things, not spiritual stuff, all sorts of um, AI and um, tech stuff. Anyway, he was talking about a guy that had um, his wife asked him for a divorce and he had an AI lover, which was um, a fake sort of cartoon lover on the internet, sort of, yeah, not a, not a real person, but someone on the internet. And he was having this love affair with this AI lover and he fell completely in love with this fake AI lover. And he realised in his logical brain that he couldn't be in love with a person because he's just talking to a bot. And, um, but as he was like singing love songs to this woman and she was being loving to him and he was being loving to her, he started to be more loving to his wife and to say the same things to his wife, right? And then it cleaned up their marriage and then she didn't want to divorce anymore. So he kind of practiced having a loving relationship with the AI and then transferred it over to his real marriage. So in that way, it worked actually. That's a good story of how to partner with AI. I love it. Yeah, that's very positive. <laughs> that was a positive AI story. Yeah. All right, darling. Well, let me let you go. Oh, God, it's been so fascinating to talk to you. You're just amazing. You're just wonderful. Love you. I'm Love so you too. So <laughs> best friends across the pond. <laughs> so grateful to Shirley for uh, telling me about you. I'm so, as I looked at how many people that you'd spoken to, I'm like, how come I hadn't seen Cynthia before? Cause you know, I'm sort of like across <laughs> it, but you're doing amazing work and people can um, pop on your website. So your website is realityshifters.com. That's right. 
and and get your books i'll put the links for your books on my website if people want to use my amazon links um a few cents comes my way for good as idea a, as an affiliate but your books are all over the place and uh, if yes. people want to get your books thank you again for oh, being on thank the you show. karen i love meeting you today wish you all the best and all the best to everyone out there too wow loved that conversation with cynthia cynthia larson cynthia sue larson uh, yeah, I, I wish I was more on the ball today. I'm not exactly on the ball today. Just got too much going on. But I'm going to have her back. I just had a chat with her about coming into the Inner Sanctum and meeting the people in the Inner Sanctum. If you want to come and meet her and quiz her about jumping timelines and creating your reality. We were just talking about, you know, I've been saying that I've been teaching deliberate creation for years. And, um, you know, I tell people that we're not so much creating our reality in that the reality already exists and a probable or possible timeline or a possible reality that exists in time and space, what we're doing is we're aligning with it by the choices that we're making in, in our thinking and in our frequency. Are we choosing to feel angry, upset, resentful, sad, or are we choosing love? You know, and in that choice, in that choice, we are choosing a different parallel universe, parallel reality, different timeline. Yeah, it's crazy to think that there are that many out there, isn't it? But the Mandela effect uh, really has been illustrating that. And I love what she said about that. We're not supposed to have these two memories, but having the memory of someone dying and then them being alive again, like the cat and Mandela and Larry Hagman, is showing us the multidimensionality of who we are and what's possible. It's actually indicating that there's more than one timeline. It's, it's an indication that this is not just one linear reality that, you know, we have a future, the only future. Like this is what people think when they go to psychics. Tell me my future as if there's one future out there for you. It's like, what are you choosing in this moment? That's your future right here, right now. Like Seth said in the Seth books, all your power is in the now. You create your own reality and all your power is in the now. What are you choosing in this moment? Are you choosing to be happy or are you choosing to be sad? Because as you align energy, you're choosing a future in the now, in the now, in the now, in the now. So as far as future Earth, solar flash, the event, the ascension, it's all about what you believe. You'll create it. You'll see it when you believe it. What do you believe? What do you want? What do you believe? Even if you don't believe it, if you want something but you don't believe it, start believing it. And you'll create it. You'll choose it. You'll choose that that universe, or parallel that that reality, that timeline. You are powerful. <laughs> How many times do I want to say that in the shows? You are powerful. Your choices are powerful. Well, I um, that new AI feature on Zoom, putting your hand up and the little hand goes uh, goes up. We discovered that today on the show. That was amazing. Well, that was fantastic. We thought that that was um my energy making that happen but I guess it was but it's actually a new zoom feature that we didn't know about when you put your hand up the little hand oh there it goes the little hand goes up there we go try it you put your hand up bang there you go see the little hand up in the corner <laughs> that's hilarious oh god I had fun today I'm a bit delirious today I'm a bit delirious anyway you know what I'm doing tomorrow? It might come out after or before this because I'll edit this. Um, this is a recording, so I'll edit and get this up in the next day or so. 
I'm going on Jeff Myra's podcast. He's interviewing me. I reached out to him because he talks about death a lot. And I put out a book called Awakened by Death. So I thought I'd talk about that. But who knows where we'll go. I love Jeff. I think he's fabulous. He's got a huge audience, got a much bigger audience than me. And people love him. He's not like me. He doesn't tend to have conversations with people. He just fires questions and leaves his like leaves himself out of it. And when I said to him, I'd really love to know about you. I'd love to fire some questions at you. He said, nope, I don't do that on my podcast. Maybe I'll get him on my show and I can fire some questions at him. But uh, yeah, we changed the date because he, we had the dates mixed up. So it's not tomorrow, it's the next day. So I'm going to have the morning off tomorrow to um, edit this show and get it up. But anyway, not, not have, don't have so many things booked in. So that's good. But on Friday night, for any of you Sydney peeps, I don't know if I'll have this up before Friday night, the 27th of May, Lou Vanstone and I are doing a live presentation on manifestation and aligning frequencies with her channeling unbelievable, beautiful uh, light language, music and sound and me channeling, you know, what the mob want to say to the people that turn up about who we are as conscious, deliberate, powerful, genius creators of our reality and all our powers in the now. So that'll be fun on Friday night. And uh, if you're in Sydney, come and join us. It's at the uh, the old Leela Centre, same place, new name. It's now called the Authentic Living Centre. Uh, so in the city on Oxford Street in uh, Surrey Hills near the city. Be lovely. All right, I'm going to go. Um, I've talked about uh, Jill Stein coming up next in the Inner Sanctum and um, yeah, check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already. Love you all big time. Mwah. Bye.